Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors here with 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Ah, uh, the best products. An even better sales staff and a service department that is second to none. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Oh, it was fun to talk to Bill Bender, Sporting News, in the previous half hour. Now, we usually have a play-by-play call of the day. But when you get to this time of the year and there are no games on Monday an all-star game on Tuesday, and no games on Wednesday, suddenly the well does run dry. (laughs) So since the well has run dry, the play-by-play call of the day will return tomorrow, probably with an an Astros-Rangers highlight, because that's the only game of the majors today. (laughs) So get ready for that Astros-Rangers highlight tomorrow, Sean. And unless something astronomical happens tonight at the World Series of Poker, one of the biggest bad beats ever in the history of the game, then we'll have a either that or a baseball highlight. So he played an ace. He played an ace. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! It's like watching uh, Daniel Craig in Casino Royale, where <laughs> where the play-by-play call of the day. A straight flush, a high hand. <laughs> and the guy he beats, uh, who, of course, is a an international terrorist, <laughs> uh, ends up losing. Even though he had, uh, let's see, he had a full house. Um, and ended up losing. I mean, that's I mean, that's bad. That falls into the bad beat, especially the guy he's going up against if he uh you know, hit a you know, sweet card there on the river. <laughs> Mr. Bond <laughs> you changed your shirt. <laughs> I hope our little game isn't making you perspire. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, we can make that the play-by-play call of the day. Yeah. I mean, we can make that the play-by-play call of the day. Yeah. You know? Suddenly, you're sitting there and. The dramatic moment comes up. I mean, this is our play-by-play call of the day. This all fits into the World Series of Poker. Gentlemen, shut on, please. <laughs> Flush, ace, king, queen. Now, this is as dramatic as an all-star game home run. Full house, eight full of aces. Or maybe... 
Reese Hoskins hitting three home runs in the game and we play all three. I mean, that's not that dramatic. I mean, but Sean brought up the World Series of Poker. We might as well go with one of the great poker scenes of all time. Casino Royale. A higher full house. Aces full of sixes. Now at this point, the terrorist thinks he has him. Monsieur Bond. So he moves the cards to the left. He has to turn the cards over himself. Bingo. A five and a seven of spades. Five and seven of spades. The straight flush. Four to the eight. The high hand. Our play-by-play call of the day. <laughs> you wanted poker. <laughs> you got it. Right at your fingertips. Right at your fingertips. Well, played. well played. Thank you, sir. With that here in the Sunbury Motor Studio, we bring in Mark Brennan from 24-7 Sports. Hello, Mark. Yeah, nice to be yeah. here. Too bad we're not getting better weather, but hopefully it's going to get nicer oh. as the weekend goes yeah, along. It'll be just great. Tomorrow will be a perfect day to do Beaver Stadium tours. Yeah, per- Beaver Stadium tours, and on top of that, uh, also uh, Live for Life will be tomorrow. There you go. What do you take out of that? You know, this year, Steve, uh, it's a little bit different for me. You know, one thing, we I was just asked by uh, some folks on the network, our 247 network, uh, what is the biggest question mark for the Penn State offense? And to me, it's leadership. You're looking at a team that I think, we have talked about this, when you look at Penn State kind of across the board, is it's athletic as a, of, of a Penn State team, mm-hmm. as I've seen, and I think you, you have kind of expressed similar sentiments. But when you look over on offense, one of the interesting things of the initial scholarship players, so these are kids who signed with Penn State out of, out of high school, so they're not transfers, they're not walk-ons who earn scholarships. There is one skill player who has either junior or senior eligibility, that's right. and that's Nick Bowers. Right. So what does that tell you? That tells you that that offense is really going to be looking for some leadership. Now, when you look at the offensive line, you have Mike Mennett, who I, Michael Mennett, I think, is really going to be one of the better leaders they've had up front. I think it's just a natural thing for him. They have Will Fries, they have Gonzo. Those guys are both really good veteran players, but I don't think they're. But as, Mennett is a leader. There's yeah, no yeah, about and I, you know everything I heard, and I know you've been closer uh, to the team. You were closer to the team through the spring, but that Mennett was really, you know, stepped up as yep. a center and a leader. Mm-hmm. But you look at the offensive skill positions, a load of talent. But where is the leadership going to come from? And when you break or when you get into that huddle and need to go 80 yards to win a game, the center is not always the guy who's going to give the motivational talk. You need a quarterback, a running back, somebody. How does this all tie back in? Because when I look at who the uh, the president of the, the the Penn State chapter of up, uplifting athletes is right now, one of them is Sean Clifford. That's right. And I think that is a huge, huge deal. I think it's gone uh, kind of overlooked because we're in the off season. But for him to step up into that sort of leadership role as a redshirt sophomore for an organization like that. So I know that was a roundabout way to get there. But I think so. I'm going to look at some of these young guys. 
the, you know, the Fryermuths, the K.J. Hamlers, the guys who have played a lot of football, and as, as they're going through Lift for Life, who are looking like leadership guys out there right. going through some of these things. So it's, it's less about the competition's great and it's fun and we're going to sure. have a blasting right. Gonzo bench press 225, 35 times or whatever, and all the other things, the, 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 the guys who just arrived in their jerseys for the first time or second time because we may see them today. Right. Uh, but to me, this year, that's kind of what I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Yeah, because I know when you talk to the players, when you ask them who are the leaders in these workouts, they'll go with two right away. They'll tell you Sean Clifford right. and Jonathan Sutherland is yeah. the guy that they mentioned. Those are the two guys that are universally mentioned. For Clifford, who's always had natural leadership ability anyway, even in the spring, he went through the entire spring, Mark, not exactly thinking he's the starting quarterback. Exactly. Right? Now the dynamics of this have changed for him because now he goes in. Look, when they go out to take ones, somebody's got to be out there for ones. Right. Okay. He'll be the guy who will be out there the first day for ones. So now he's got to take that. But each position needs a leader. Each position, the wideouts need a leader. Right. The running backs need a leader. Court, you know, Tight ends. Tight ends need a leader. So, I mean... Each position, defensive line, linebacker, the secondary, they all need their own leaders along the way. So it's more than just the one leader here and the one leader there. That's great, but each position does. And you talk about wide receiver. Well, let's see. Uh, Redshirt freshman, redshirt freshman, true sophomore. Redshirt sophomore, right? Right. I mean, that's who they are. Right, and that's what, that's why I'm saying a guy like KJ Hamler, he's played a lot of football. He's done a lot of big things. He's a redshirt sophomore, right? People, I don't think people quite grasp that. But to me, it's going to be more important for a guy like Clifford, and, and here's why. You know, listen, Steve, we we cover all the Penn State camps, and for the last couple of years, and I'm talking about when prospects and uh, young high school students come up here for the for the camps that uh, James Franklin and his staff hold uh, every year. The last couple of years, since he's gotten to campus, Sean Clifford has been one of the a lot of the players help coach in those camps, mm-hmm. but you can see Sean Clifford at these camps was was like really fitting in nicely as a coach at the camps mm-hmm. to the point where last year with uh Taquan Roberson yes he knew R- Roberson had committed to Penn State and Sean Clifford was working with him coaching him up and to me that's a great sign that he's mm-hmm. so he's he's a natural leader but I think it's going to be great to see what we see tomorrow but then how does that translate when you're in the stadium here in front of 100,000 people? I think he's going to be fine because what yeah. we've seen has been great. Yeah. But we, we're we not positive yet. Right. Um, in fact, uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple. When you talk about with Clifford, you know in the recruiting part of it a lot better than I ever would. But there's always a couple of guys that do a great job of them recruiting the other guys right. in their class. Clifford was that guy. He committed early, yeah. He committed early, but then was calling other people trying to get them to commit too. So yeah, they he's don't get, always been like that. They don't get K.J. Hamler if if they don't have Sean Clifford because those two guys, even though Clifford was from uh, Cincinnati and still is from Cincinnati and K.J. was is from Detroit uh, you know, by way of IMG Academy, right. those two developed a relationship going through the camp circuit uh, during their high school days. And I don't think if, if they don't get um, if they don't get Sean Clifford, I don't think they get KJ Hamler. So that, right. that's a great point. Is that there are guys who emerge as natural kind of leaders and and glue guys in these recruiting classes, and that's important. Well, I'll, I was on Sirius, 
two days ago. Are you serious? Absolutely. And don't call me Shirley. <laughs> uh, and I was on Sirius two days ago, and it, this, the topic of the quarterback part came up. And I said, look, he hasn't had to run a two-minute drill in a game since high school. He hasn't had to go through back-to-back or three straight three-and-outs and had to make an adjustment since high school. I said, so... I said, there are a lot of people excited about what he can do. I said, he practices brilliantly, but, you know, a game brings with a dynamic. I said, which, by the way, is exactly the same answer I would have given you if we were talking about Tommy Stevens. Yeah, absolutely. Right? That's a part that people don't quite grasp. Even though he's older, he didn't have to go through two or three consecutive three and outs and adjust. He never, he not one time ran a two-minute drill in a game. Same thing. I said I'll be saying the same thing about him as I did about Sean Clifford. Well, and actually, I mean, I think if you were to look at the pure quarterback dynamic of it, that you can say that when Clifford got his opportunities in terms of throwing the ball, oh, I great. mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, he was a drop pass from DeAndre Tompkins away from you know in the bowl game, yes. which which should have been a touchdown, right? From having the greatest quarterback rating in the history of mankind. I mean, it's still <laughs> ridiculously off the chart yeah, at this point, but he, you know, it. it so that's what I do like that part that when he was given the opportunity, he stepped like in that bowl in that bowl game. To me, when he came in, Steve, I said they are going to throw it deep. Watch. Well, Jack said that. Jack yeah. and the broadcast. Jack said it right away. They yeah. said they're going deep here because you knew we had seen enough of his of his arm, yeah. and you knew that they had enough confidence yeah. in him, and that and that Kentucky may not be looking for it. And unfortunately, uh, with all due respect to DeAndre, who was a really nice player for Penn yeah. State, that was kind of an issue for the receiving yes. core, you know, all year. Uh, you're the one that, of course, looked at the roster right away, saw it, noticed right away that Jonathan Holland was not a part of it. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on that and then what the current tight end group looks like? Listen, they don't discuss injuries, but clearly Jonathan Holland was a guy who struggled with injuries throughout his career. Yes. And it seems to me as if he's still at Penn State. I'm not positive about that, maybe going to grad school. So I don't think there was any ill will. Uh, when I saw him in the parking lot with Saquon, and uh, McSorley and some other former players who were drinking beers before the blue-white game, I had a feeling he was probably just kind of not playing out the string, but that it maybe it, it, he's a 50-year guy. He wouldn't go suit up right. that day? Well, he wasn't. He wasn't, he wasn't drinking beers. No, no. Uh, but some of the other guys were enjoying themselves, which they should be. But They're adults. In terms of you know where they are tight end-wise, he was going to have trouble, and I'm not saying this negatively toward him, but he was going to have trouble finding playing time this year. Because yes. you know I think Fryermuth surprised really everybody last year. Um, in terms of I, everybody knew he was going to be a good player, and I, I predicted before the season that he had a chance to make an impact. I didn't think he was going to have a chance to make that sort of impact. Right. And then Nick Bowers finally came along, and here's a guy who you know this as well as anybody. You go into the uh, the Penn State weight room, and you look up on the tight end, you look <laughs> up on the big board, and, and Nick Bowers, yeah. he's going to test about as well as anybody not yeah. named Saquon. I mean, that's right. you, you look at the numbers that he's put yeah. up at, what is he, 6'4", 270, mm-hmm. and you know, has run incredibly well, uh, an, an unbelievable uh, NFL shuttle. He is really a tremendous athlete, but he's just been bumped up and, and bruised throughout his career. If they could keep those two guys healthy, 
You know, I think they are going to have one of the best tight end tandems in the nation, not just in the right. Big Ten. Now, that's a big if because we haven't seen Bauer stay healthy. Right. And then I think you're just going to see uh, Zach Kuntz. I think you're just going to see him get better and better and better mm-hmm. as he kind of fills out. And then they have a, an attractive option in Brenton Strange. He That uh, Tyler Bowen's very high on. Yeah, yeah. So he, mean, he, Tyler the, told me the first week, he said, yeah, he says, yeah, he says, Kind of feeling his way through. Then the last three weeks of the spring, he says, now nah. he says, now nah, we know we got a prospect. And for people who don't know, he's a kid from West Virginia. He enrolled yeah. early, and I, I don't think people understand how important that is if kids can do it. I, I don't advocate people doing it because I would ra- much rather see these kids enjoy their high school seasons. But if you're going to do it, you're going to reap some benefits. And I think yeah. he obviously did. But now, Steve, they're in a really nice position depth-wise where they don't necessarily have to force him into action. And with the new redshirt right. rules, they could get him in those four games. They have th- they have right. two outs- two, They have one outstanding tight end, one who could be outstanding if he stays healthy. Yeah. They have a real solid backup right now with a, with a very high, with a very tall upside in and Zach Kuntz, and then you have Brenton Strange. So that's four guys who are – you have a legit you, – you go from last year when they entered the season with nobody had, having uh, caught more than a handful of passes right. to, you know, after Gesicki left to now all of a sudden having a, an outstanding core of tight ends, and I think that's going to be a strength for them. And then you, and then you saw in the bowl game on the touchdown catch the nice hands that Bowers has. I mean, that's – you know He's he, got it all. Yeah, he does have – an outstanding skill set uh, that, and physical yes. size, and you know yeah. he could block both of. The, that's the other thing about this tight end group, especially the top two guys. Both of them could really block. I mean, it, that's right. Uh, Fryermuth, and I didn't realize this, and I should have realized this, but in talking to Tyler Bone and talking to Fryermuth at the, uh, I think we called it Freshman Day or whatever it was a couple months ago or a month ago, whenever it was when we first got an opportunity to talk to them. He has, uh, was it his brother who was an offensive lineman? And he has an offensive line that's kind of in his blood. You knew something was going on there because you almost never see these freshman tight ends come in and immediately be able to block. And for him to be able to do that, I was like, whoa, this was impressive. Oh, Mike Kosicki never had his hand in the dirt before he came here. Right. He probably still doesn't have it in the dirt much. Exactly. But you know what? But in this offense, everyone, you know, you'll have people who are longtime Penn State fans, and they will – complain no fullback that is the fullback right well that's why they call him tight end slash h-back, H-back, h-back right? Yeah. right that is the fullback that is the lead blocker going into the hole just watch what he does on a running play and that'll tell you exactly right. the kind of hybrid position that he is playing defensively when you look at the speed on defense uh what sticks out to you about it and then is there a, a an incoming player that could be significant to help in the two deep. Yeah, I'll, I'll be a homer, and, and I'll say that I think Keaton also has an opportunity to help them as a defensive back. And that, that's no disrespect toward uh, Brandon Smith, a five-star linebacker, who I think has an opportunity to be really good, or the kid from Michigan uh, whose name is escaping Lance, me. Lance Dixon. Yeah, Lance Dixon. I think both those kids ha- have a chance to be really good. But I think there's some talent stacked up in front of them right now, and it may take them a little time. Good. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> that means they've recruited right. I don't think people understand um, how the, the the size of Keaton Ellis. I mean, he's right. a legit, legit six foot tall, probably 195 pounds, maybe 190, whatever. Long arms, long arms, and you know, we saw him play at State High. I saw yeah. him play an awful lot because my daughter was in the band. 
and Penn State got an absolute steal in that guy. And yeah, I am no being I, I'm I'm no, being a homer, but I am no. also telling you that I would not say this unless no. I thought he was a legit player. So I mean, look, I, I watched I watched all the practices in the spring. Yeah, he can flat out play. I think of the guys they have coming in that have not been in spring practice. I'm interested to see, for example, what Jaquan Brisker well, can do because I think in that safety spot, yeah. You know, you you'd like to go into the season feeling like you've had four, and you're looking at a you're looking at a JUCO guy, an older guy who yes. has played a lot of football and physically. I forget what his what his height and weight were listed at on the roster, but it I, it was one of those. You know, I've gone through so many of them, but it was one of those where I looked at it and said, "Wow, I mean, this guy's ready to come in." And listen, I listen, I love Lamont Wade as a player. And I sure. love Jonathan Jonathan Sutherland as a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Garrett Taylor obviously is going to be one of the guys. I think when we talk about leaders, I think he's a clear leader of this team. And I thought he got better and better and better as last season went along. Instinctive, right? But they have, you know, in in Sutherland and in um, Lamont Wade, they have two guys who really have to kind of prove themselves. Mm-hmm. So that they're. He's going to have uh, the JUCO kid is going to have every opportunity to come in and make make an impact. I mean that's going to be fun fun to watch him. But beyond that, I just I think to the, they're to the point now defensively that they're not going to have to rely on uh, you know especially they have some like tremendous young defensive ends. I don't know if you've gotten a look at some of these kids, but yeah, yeah. where are you going to force your way right. into the action? When you have, you know, Etor, Shaka Tony, uh, Shane Simmons, uh, obviously Jason Owe, you know, these are Daniel guys. Daniel Joseph, yeah, that everybody forgets about. Yeah, one of the, one of the be- another one of the better athletes on the team. Yes. So that and that's what I'm saying. So I mean, you're Adisa Isaac. There are times he doesn't know what he's doing. Right. Right. Doesn't know what he's doing, and yet he'll figure out a way to make a play, and even he, though he doesn't. You know, that's what Bob says about this show. There you go. Sometimes we don't know what we're doing, yeah, but no somehow it comes together. It comes together. Uh, I, I, I want to ask you about basketball in part because, I mean, I, I watched them work out, you know, a little bit this week. Yeah. Uh, Penn State has is making the transition in this particular year from being the consistent younger team to now being the older team. What kind of difference can that make? I mean, you know, like you can be the older team with bad players, but, right, but right. Penn State doesn't have bad players. So what can that mean for Penn State to make the transition to being the older team? Well, I think, you know, number one, getting Lamar Stevens back was gigantic. But to me, I think the, the, the biggest part now is how Mike Watkins is able to bring everything together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you hope as a person that he's able to become – you know what he was before everything that happened happened, uh, and before he's he had to deal with some of the things he's had to deal with. So, but I, I think so much of it, Steve, hinges on that because in Lamar, you know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. There's that is not a wild card at all. And right. I will say the only wild card is that if he comes back and can shoot the three, forget about it because now all of a sudden he's going to be unguardable. Right. I mean, you will not, and that's going to make every other person that much more dangerous because they're going because opposing teams are going to have to pay that much more attention but i just think the mike watkins thing is such a wild card that i'm i'm pulling for him and as as media people we're not supposed to do this but knowing everything he went through i hope he's able to get it all together but it's a deal where i won't believe he's able to do it until we see it again 
I think he kind of has to prove himself yeah. basketball-wise. Not anything else. But if he's that player, then I think this is a legit NCAA team. But I think that's that's a big if. I, they, they have other really nice pieces. I think Miles Dredd is going to have a really good year this year. Yeah. Um, I had a chance to talk to, to, to John Hara at, uh, at Coaches vs. Yeah. Cancer and was kind of surprised not only how he kind of looked physically, I think he dropped a few pounds, he but he was a more outgoing at least to, to yeah, to, very much. So. He always was kind of uncomfortable with the media, so I think you're seeing you're seeing some maturity there, and that goes into being an older team, guys who have played a lot of ball. But I think a lot of it goes back to Mike Watkins, and with Watkins, it was like the knee injury part was a little, was difficult because he didn't do any work last summer. Right. This summer is critical because he'll do work. And then when the season starts, he'll be a year and a half removed from that injury. And time, not only, quote, heals all wounds, but it make you know, it, now he'll be a bit stronger. And he, and he can always make the initial play. Right. But if you notice, when it needed a second or third, he didn't have the, didn't have the lift. He couldn't yeah. do it because of that knee. You're going to see that's a difference. They need to have, Wheeler needs to hit at least one to two jump shots in a game. I didn't say 10. I didn't say 5. I said 1 or it's 2. like a mini Ben Simmons. Right? He needs to hit 1 or 2. That three-point line is going to be interesting this year. You're going to have a lot of people who think they can hit that shot. That's not going to That's not gonna bother Miles Dredd at all, though. I can tell you that much. Because no, no, he's, no. He's, right, the right. Look, I watched yeah. him shoot it yesterday. He, yeah. <laughs> fully, he, he could shoot. No he can do this. He's, he he's had, the kind of shooter who can do from him. Yeah, no issue. Shoot. It's not going to be an issue for Myron Jones, either. In terms of the, the distance of it, but it's going to be an issue in games. Right? Oh, absolutely, because it was moved back for a reason, right? And that that could, you know, listen, that could play to Penn State's benefit. It can, it and, really could, because they're they're a team also, that has kind of struggled with the three, so they're used to it being a difficult right. thing for them. And so. also, look at the line on the court; it's subtle, but it's not a complete arc, right? Because you're going to be because of the corner, right? Right, because yeah. of the corners. Right? It's like the NBA it gets to 22 feet. They keep it at 22 feet. Right? But here's the thing. Watch early in the season. The number of guys on every team that step, step out, out of bounds. bounds. Yeah, I knew it. Who was the guy from, uh, was it Ohio? The, Penn, the guy he transferred after one year. I think he, he had Lewis. A, yeah, he, had, he led the nation. Trey, Trey Lewis. He had to lead the nation in stepping out Trey of bounds. Trey Lewis stepped out of bounds left and right, left and right, transferred to Cleveland State, and then finished at Louisville. <laughs> Unreal. Remember, he and Lee, the kid from Drexel? Yeah. Yeah, the whole big thing about they couldn't go to the NCAA tournament. <laughs> That's right, yeah. yeah. Hey, was, one one thing, you, you mentioned the NBA. I, I got to tell you, I had a chance to watch Josh Reeves. <laughs> he is something on this summer league. I, you know what? It's it's happening for a, for a good kid. Now, I sure. don't know if you realize this, but I, I, I'm fairly certain he was not on a two-way contract. I didn't. No, it, no, it's it is exhibit ten. It, it's called an E ten. Yeah, exhibit ten. So, yeah, but he is a part of the seventeen man roster, right. As an E ten. So he's inv- he's automatically invited to camp. Yes. And if he is cut, he he gets a fifty thousand dollar bonus if he signs with a G League team. Right. So he's going to be okay financially for for the short right. term. But I think he now. I think all of a sudden now we're looking at bigger things for him. Oh yeah, bigger things because right now because his base salary would be thirty five. Right. In the G League, the fifty thousand dollar bonus gets Signing him to eighty five. Yeah, 
Right, so that's where that E10, that's the technicality that's, of the E10. That, the reason they're doing that, and it's, it's interesting to learn all this because I didn't realize it, is to act as an incentive for guys not to go over to Europe. Right. And I think Josh, I mean, it's, it's been fun watching him play. He's been one of the best all-around players out there. I feel bad for Tony Carr because I think when he's played the last couple games, he's played well for the Pelicans, but I don't think that's a good organization for him right now. I think well, David Griffin didn't draft him. No, no, I know that, and that's why I'm saying I'm hoping that with a lot, what he's done in limited minutes the last couple games, somebody else is going to give him an yeah. opportunity to maybe go to camp with them because I don't think he has any shot. When you look at what they have with he, Drew Holiday. With he is Lonzo not on Hall. the 17-man roster. Right, so hopefully – I'm just hoping for him. If not, listen, this is he'll be another one of the Penn State guys who makes a, a boatload of money. Not a boatload, but enough to enough. set yourselves up for a solid foundation for, for the rest of your life playing over in Europe. But I just think it's you're looking at both of their kind of arcs right now, and all of a sudden it's looking like Josh Reeves. I mean, and the, the other thing, Steve, out there, to me, he, he looks – I thought he would look a little smaller physically against these no. NBA guys, and, and not whatsoever. No. I mean, he was uh, – you know, he's and he's out there getting it done offensively. You know, you knew he was going to do it defensively. Playing point guard, limited turnovers in his first yeah. three games. So I really have and it's the shot beauty. The, and has shot the three well. Yeah, so that's the beauty of uh, we're about to hit Live for Life uh, tomorrow. Big Ten Media Days next week, so I have a little bit of free time at home, so I could focus in on watching right. some of the stuff that otherwise you don't usually get a chance to watch. And as much of a nerd as I am, yes, I was watching NBA summer league stuff. That's okay. I mean, at some point, I mean, Tony Carr might end up with, I don't know, the Atlanta Hawks. Who I don't know their situation enough, but he has to end up with, with a team that is not as stacked with with point guards. As, as the, is that them? Well, yeah. well, no, well, they had Trey Young, but yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like a team like that. Yeah. Like, guess what? They still pay you. Yeah. You may be the last outpost. You're with the Sacramento Kings. They still give you money. It's better than being in, uh, in, you know, doing being a sports reporter or being on radio. I can tell you that much. Well, Salar- Salary-wise, yeah, salary well, for us, yeah, not for you. I sort of have fun. <laughs> I have a lot of fun doing what I do. All right, my friend. Appreciate Great having me on. You. Taking your calls at eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio ten seventy WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in beautiful downtown Hummel's Wharf, where you know who could be king. Huh? Right? Speaking of of king, yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah. The most interesting yeah, man on the entire East Coast. Yeah, I'm going to see him Saturday. I'm going to go over and see him Saturday morning because he's uh, he's having hip replacement surgery on Tuesday. So I'm going to stop by for a few minutes and see him. Then I'll stop by and see him for a few minutes after he has the surgery. But you know, he says he's going to be up and around. Oh, he's got to be chomping at the bit. Yeah, I would think so. Um, uh, you know, I mean, the last time he and I were together was seven weeks ago. And, geez, Sean, he was in a lot of pain. I mean, he really was in a lot of pain. 
You know, he had a cane, and he left it in the truck, and he walked in. But then, when it came time, because we went over to, we went over to Cracker Barrel, All right. you know, and we sat there. We probably sat there for two hours. You know, I mean, breakfast took twenty minutes, but we sat there for two hours talking about five thousand things. And when it came time to leave, that poor guy trying to get up out of the chair. I mean, I, I don't mean just like, okay, I'm going to stand here for a bit. Like, just getting out of the chair took minutes. So, he needs this. Yeah, I'm sure he'll mention it tomorrow on the show. And then Live for Life is tomorrow night. And that will be at Haluba. They'll open the doors at 4.30 at Haluba tomorrow for anybody here going there. And it'll run, I'd say it'll run until about 6.30. Can't picture going later than that. And there's several different, to say there's several different events, to be honest with you, this is a workout day for them this Friday. It's a workout day. So they'll be doing some of the same things I've already watched them do in terms of getting ready for seasons and winter workouts and other workouts and things like that that you watch them do. There are a lot of similarities. But the one that will attract everybody because you can really attach a number to it would be the bench press. How many reps will a Steven Gonzalez put up on the bench press, for example? People will be interested in that. What might a Micah Parsons do when he gets his opportunity? Things like that. I think that that's, you know, people will be very interested in that. Very interested. Yeah. All right. And And not only that, after the flurry of free agency in the NBA, some in the NHL, and baseball playing games, we have had a slow week, yet we've talked about that. Uh, We've talked about a wide variety of subjects here in the last few days. The food thing, actually, you know, and Sean's the one that found this, in Forbes, okay, but that drew more interest than than anything. In fact, I got a call today from a guy that was very interested in both the nutrition uh, interview I did two weeks ago. That was not on the station, but I did it for TV with Kayla Martin, the Penn State nutritionist, and in conjunction with the money that is spent on nutrition bars. Now, guess who that person was? Jack Ham. Jack is very, very nutrition conscious. Very. Uh, And we've talked about this many times. For example, uh, he's been trying to cut uh, as much oil base, additional oil base, out of his diet. And he's uh, he was he said to me he said I noticed he says he's you know look you know all these years of you know we will eat out on the road all the time the whole group 
He'll say, I notice you never salt your food. I notice you never put butter on anything, you know, except maybe a roll. I said, and I notice you don't eat many rolls anymore. And I said, well, I said, there's reasons for that. I said, my reasoning is this. If you just look and read the ingredients, you'll see there's enough salt already in the food to begin with where I don't feel like I need more. You'll see that there's enough in there where I don't need to put butter on something like a potato or something like that. And I said, and with you, I said, with your diet, I said, you know, you talk about taking out the oil part of it. I said, Jack, there's already enough natural oil in many foods where you're already getting exactly what you need. He says, exactly. He says, that's why, he says, it's the additional stuff that makes a difference. So I'm talking to Kayla Martin, the nutritionist at Penn State. And this was in conjunction with the fact that Penn State has 11 nutrition bars, you know, two primaries at Rec Hall and at Lash Building, and nine satellite ones on campus for athletes. Uh, and I was asking her about constructing diets and how body type means something, position means something as to what that diet needs to consist of. An offensive lineman is going to need more than a running back. That's an obvious. And if you want to keep it in football, a forward in basketball is going to need more probably than it, than a guard. But the bod pod that they have, which measures mass and body fat, is critical so everyone knows where they stand. So let's take Aeneas Hawkins. He'd be the most recent example. Aeneas Hawkins is about the same weight he was when he first got here. But the difference is, what they did was they stripped off the bad weight from him and then built his weight back up with the proper diet, the right strength and conditioning program, speed, and so forth. Where now the Aeneas Hawkins today is the same weight he was two years ago, except if you put him in the bod pod, the distribution is more on the lines of what you want to see for an for a man that size playing an athletic sport at a tough position defensive tackle. Paris Palmer was like that. Paris Palmer right now is uh, working with us at WPSU Channel 3. Remember when Paris got here, people saw him in the Blue White game. They couldn't believe how thin he was. Paris got here, he's about 295, 300. But again, same story. You put him in the bod pod and you're looking at the numbers, you're saying, ay, ay, ay. Uh, the fat content's a little bit more than we want here. So they stripped off the bad weight. And then at that point, Paris was down to 277 where he played the blue-white game. Well, then they started building him back up with, quote, the good weight. You know, how you lift, how you go through your nutrition program, how many calories you conserve. Are they the right calories, the right carbs? And he eventually got back up to 305 pounds. But it was a better weight even though it's the same weight. So I'm talking with Kayla Martin about all of this. And and for her, she has to administer this for 31 sports, but let's just keep this in a football realm. For her, it is great news when the athlete comes to her and says, look, I think I need to do something here. A, what am I doing wrong? And B, what do I need to do right? 
And she can then construct a plan for them. And if they follow the plan, nutritionally, they're, they're on target because that's your fuel. That's part of your training. And as we were done with the interview, it turned out, and we did the interview at Lash Building in the Nutrition Center there, Sean Clifford came by. And Sean was putting together his meal after working out. So this would have been a, it was, we did it uh, on a late uh, Tuesday morning. Like, I think we did the interview, uh, I'd say about 10, 10.30 we did this. So Sean comes over, he's done, and he, he's taking bang, he's putting it together, he's getting some oatmeal, he's, you know, and he puts it all together. She doesn't have to say a word. And he comes over and he explained to me that, you know, they'd had a meeting a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago, like in January of 2018, they had a meeting. And Sean said, look, I said, I need help. He said, because I'm wondering if a couple of the minor injuries I'm getting are because of maybe my diet. And so they laid out a plan. And then Kayla said to me after Sean left, he says, it's great when you see somebody that you don't have to see anything. You don't have to say anything to. That they're doing exactly what they need to because it's become habit forming for them. Because she observed what he was doing in his post-workout snack, meal, whatever you want to call it at that particular time. And she said to me, that's exactly what he should be having, and he knew it, and he did it by himself. I didn't have to say a word. She said, that's the point where you know you've got everything on track with an athlete. Okay, we'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070, WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Great to have you with us. King's with us tomorrow. Thanks to Bill Bender, Sporting News, and Mark Brennan, 24-7 Sports. Talked a lot about football today. Hey, I don't, you know, next week's big, what, Big Ten Media Days are next week. Now, look, I mean, last year, of course, the news was what happened with Urban Meyer. But for the most part, I mean, there'll be some news, but there should not be anything earth-shattering next week. But we hit mid-July. We'll talk more about the Phillies in the second half tomorrow. We have talked a lot about the Phillies this week. But I think the one of the primary points where now you need a season to see it, or at least a half season to see it, is I thought the Phillies management made every right move in the offseason. 
there is not a single move that they made that I disagree with. And they made a lot of moves, trades, signings, so forth. And it tells you, in reality, from a couple of years ago, how far behind they really were. Because despite all these great moves, they're still trying to fight to get to the top. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.